Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Thursday morning live devotional. So uh, I want to speak a little bit about a clear conscience today. And uh, a lot of people uh, have all kinds of ideas about a clear conscience. Um, and it basically comes down to trust. It comes down to faith in the blood of Jesus. That's what a clear conscience is all about. And it's got less to do with what you've done. So your conscience is cleansed because of the blood of Jesus. And the clearer your conscience is, the more you hear and the more you see. Okay? So a clear, clear conscience comes from faith in the blood of Jesus. But a clear conscience produces the fruit of righteousness, which is consistent with a clear conscience. All right. So we are, we are either in a downward spiral or an upward spiral. <laughs> so either the conscience is defiled in getting more so every day, or the conscience is clear and getting more so every day. All right. So it's de it depends on what you believe. depends on uh, what you hear concerning Jesus Christ. All right. So uh, let me just greet. Hello, uh, Janine. It's good to see you there. And hello, everyone on, on Facebook. I see no one has commented yet, but bless you. All right. So um, let me just start reading here in John chapter 8. I think that's a good place to start with the conscience because that's the first place in the New Testament where the word conscience is mentioned. All right. So this is... Uh, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came back into the temple court, and the people came to him in crowds, and he sat down and was teaching them. So he's now in the temple court teaching the people. When the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Okay, so she, she had done something that is frowned upon. Okay, so they made her stand in the middle of the court and put the case before him. So now this is, you can just see the, the difference between the, the, the heart of the legalistic crowd and the heart of the Savior. So there's a big difference. Now you can see how a defiled conscience plays out and how a clear conscience plays out. Okay? Now Moses in the law commanded us that such shall be stoned. But what do you say to do with her? What is your sentence? So it's interesting that they would ask that because the father actually appointed Jesus as the judge, so he is the proper one to give a sentence. This they said to try and test him, hoping they might find a charge on which to accuse him. So their hearts were not even pure in that. Their hearts were not even pure in trying to get justice or trying to get, you know, the moral out of the people, you know, not at all. They just wanted to find a way to, to, to kill Jesus, all right? But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. However, when they persisted with their question, he raised himself up and said, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he bent down and went on writing on the ground with his finger. Right? So th this translation doesn't say what he was writing with his finger. 
But the point is, he wrote something down and they saw it. All right? And he said to them, let the one, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Verse 9, then they listened to him. And then they began going out, conscience-stricken. One by one, from the oldest down to the last one of them, till Jesus was left alone with a woman standing there before him in the center of the court. So Jesus' words, when they listened to him, awakened their conscience. Okay? So the conscience was never mentioned before that. Okay? So in the law, the conscience is, the law cannot awaken your conscience. Because there's no inner law in the law. It's all, everything is outside. So there's no inner guide with the law. Everything is outside works. So the conscience under the law is hardened or seared. Uh, It's hard like stone. So... If there's one thing that was testified of the Jews under the law, is was they were hard-hearted and stiff-necked. Yeah. All right? So God spoke that himself of them during the time in the wilderness. You know, and Moses said it of them. And Stephen said it of them. You hard-hearted, stiff-necked people. <laughs> you know, in, in Acts chapter 7, just before they killed him. And he said to them, which of the, four, of the prophets did your forefathers not persecute? All right, so there's a hardness of heart coming with the law of Moses. Okay? And that hardness of heart is a seared conscience. It's a conscience that cannot hear. It's a conscience that cannot feel. It's a conscience that cannot speak. Okay? It's a hard, dead heart. So the, the, the heart becomes like stone because of the law that's written on stone, right? But when the word comes, Hebrews chapter 4 says the word is like a double-edged sword, and it cuts down into the deepest part, and it sifts and analyzes the very thoughts and purposes of the heart, cuts between the bone and marrow and between life and spirit. So here comes the word, and they didn't expect the words of Jesus to pierce so deep. So... He said, him without sin cast the first stone, and he, started, he kept on writing on the ground. They listened to him. Yeah. The sword went. <laughs> and they all went conscience-stricken from the least to the greatest. All right? When Jesus raised himself up, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She answered, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go on your way, and from now on, sin no more. All right? So just see mercy. Just see God's mercy. The mercy of God causes the the accusation to go. Those who stand up rise up against you with accusations, even though the accusations are accurate will fall and surrender to you. And that's what Isaiah 54 says. They may gather together and stir up strife, but it is not from me. So you will prove those who accuse you to be in the wrong. You stand in judgment. Tongues are in judgment against you to be in the wrong. Even if the accusations are accurate. 
Okay? It says, those who rise up against you will fall and surrender to you. All right? Why? Because of the mercy of God. So the only way anyone could have a clear conscience that is awakened by the Spirit of God and touched so that we could hear and see in the secret place is by faith in the blood of Jesus. That's the one thing that everyone has been after, a clear conscience. Okay? Uh, so they, the, the law could never do that. The law could never cleanse the conscience. The law could never perfect it. So if they, if they could bring a sacrifice that could cleanse the conscience, then surely righteousness would have come to, by the law. If a law could be given that could make men righteous, surely it would have been given. But no one can be saved by their own works. All right. So let's just... I'll save this one for later. Okay. Let's go to Hebrews first. I think let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. Verse 19 says, For the law never made anything perfect. So there you go. So the law cannot make your conscience perfect. What the law does is it hardens your heart. Okay? Uh, so also 2 Corinthians 3 verse 15, Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts and minds. So there's a covering coming over your heart and mind, which causes you to cease to feel. You can't feel, you can't hear, you can't see anything in the spirit. Okay? So it's like a, a dead layer or a, like a, a, a searing. You know, when you sear meat, it's like a, a dead layer. What does it yield? Uh, um, a, like a callus. And that's also what Hebrews chapter 4 says. Uh, the sword of the spirit cuts the calluses of the heart. Okay? So it's caused by the law. All right, so Hebrews 7 verse 19, the law never made anything perfect, but instead a better hope was introduced through which we now come close to God. So you could not come close to God by the law because the law kept on accusing you. <laughs> okay, but Jesus didn't allow the accusation. He paid for it himself. So he said, I'm not accusing you. I'm not condemning you. Go and say no more. So he spoke a word that touched her conscience. So her conscience was cleansed from the desire to sin. And she followed Jesus. Okay? Go and sin no more. They, they, the Pharisees coming to accuse her said, the one without sin cast the first stone. And they went their way. And they ceased from their action to, to try and kill her. So the word Jesus spoke to the woman, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Touch her conscience. And she went and she ceased from her action of sinning. Okay? All because of the word. All right, so the word can touch your heart. The sword can go deep. And the word can make alive and quicken your conscience. Okay, so Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, Therefore he is able also to save to the uttermost, completely perfect and finally, and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him since he is always living to make petition to God and intercede with them and intervene for them. Here is a high priest perfectly adapted to our needs and as was fitting, holy, blameless, unstained by sin, separated from sinners and exalted higher than the heavens. He has no day-by-day -day necessity as 
uh, do uh, these other high priests to offer sacrifices first for all his own personal sins and then for those of, of the other people because he met all the requirements once for all when he brought himself as a sacrifice which he offered up. For the law sets up men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of God's oath, which was spoken later after the institution of the law, uh, chooses and appoints as priest one whose appointment is complete and permanent as son who has been made perfect forever. So the law has imperfect high priests. Their consciences are not even clean. So they had to sacrifice for themselves. So they can't cleanse the conscience by their sacrifices if they even have to sacrifice for themselves. But Jesus was made perfect forever as a son unstained by sin, blameless, holy, separated from sinners, exalted higher than the heavens. He's the one making atonement. He's the one speaking on your behalf. Okay. So Hebrews chapter 9, he says, verse 13, For if the mere sprinkling of an unholy or defiled persons with blood of goats and bulls, with the ashes of a burnt heifer is sufficient for the purification of the body. So those are legalistic ordinances that you find in the law, Leviticus and Numbers. Okay, so for the purification of the body, they had to, they had to sprinkle with blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a burnt heifer. But now listen, how much more surely shall the blood of Christ, who by virtue of his eternal spirit, has offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, sacrifice to God, purify our consciences from dead works and lifeless observances to serve the ever-living God. So the living sacrifice himself, which became the high priest, offering himself, said to this woman, I do not accuse you. And he became her conscience. I died for you. He became her inner voice. The Pharisees used to become the people's inner voice. Accusation, 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 accusation. The law, the hardness of heart, the unyielding nature of the law became the inner voice. There's no grace. There's no mercy. Accusation, accusation. Here comes the sacrifice, the high priest of the new things, the better things, himself speaking to the woman, and he becomes her new inner voice. I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Releasing her from sin. Okay? All right. Because he was the very sacrifice that would pay for every sin. Okay? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. For since the law has merely a rude outline foreshadowing of the good things to come, instead of fully expressing those things, it can never, it can sometimes, it can never, by offering the same sacrifices continually year after year, make perfect those who approach its altar. So everyone that wants to rebuild the temple to offer animal sacrifices in the temple, I mean, come on. Just wake up, learn to read, seriously. I mean, how can you believe that and even say you're a Christian? Even say that you believe in the cross of Jesus Christ, because that completely cancels the cross. To go back to animal sacrifices in a rebuilt temple. Those things of the law can never cleanse your conscience. For if it were otherwise, would these sacrifices not have stopped being offered? 
since the worshippers had once for all been cleansed, they would no longer have any guilt or consciousness of sin. So what does it mean to be, what mean to be cleansed? No more guilt, no more consciousness of sin. So you're not aware of it. Okay, so Saul became Paul. And Saul persecuted the church, and Jesus stopped him in his tracks, knocked him off his horse. Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. Stop kicking against the goat. It's going to turn out bad for you. What do you want me to do, Lord? Go to the street called Straight. There, someone will come to pray for you. Okay? So, he had every reason to have a default conscience. Because he realized he'd been actually been persecuting God's people. He'd actually been working directly against God. Okay? Blinded by the law. Thought he did something for God. But ended up working against God. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, It matters very little to me whether I be put on trial by you or any other human tribunal on this matter. I feel blameless. I'm not aware of anything I did wrong. Okay? First Corinthians 4 verse 4. I'm not aware of anything I did wrong. I feel blameless. But I'm not acquitted on that account. But it is the Lord himself who judges me. All right. So when the Lord himself judges a person, here's the woman caught in the act of adultery. What is your verdict? What is your judgment? My judgment is I give you a clear conscience. Boom. <laughs> I'll take away all your accusations and I'll take it upon myself. Go and sin no more. Because the accusation is the power to sin. We know that. Romans chapter 7 verse 8. Sin finds opportunity in the commandment to express itself. Verse uh, 11, Romans 7 says, Sin used the law as a weapon against me, killed me. So also in verse 8 says, For without the, sin, without the law, sin is dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, somewhere in the 50s, maybe in the early 60s, <laughs> he says, uh, Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Now the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. So the accusation fuels the temptation. So here comes Jesus. 1 Corinthians 4, it's the Lord himself who judges me. So what's his judgment? What's his verdict? Neither do I condemn you. I want your conscience to be cleansed. I'm here to remove all accusation and condemnation. Now people say stuff like, he doesn't even feel guilty. Good. If you can turn your back on your guilt, you'll see victory in your life. Okay? But at, at least he feels guilty about it. No, it's not a good thing. That's not a good testimony. If you think it's a win that someone feels guilty about stuff they did, then you have no idea what the gospel means. So the more we are conscious of our sins, the more we will feel the guilt of it. But the more we are conscious of our forgiveness and the sacrifice that Jesus brought for all our sins, the less we will be aware of our sins. And the less we will have knowledge of it, which means the less we will be likely to repeat it. 
The only way you can step out of a sinful life is by forgetting that there is such a thing as sin. And the only thing that you can get to make you forget that, oh, there's sins and iniquities I will remember no more. So your, when the Spirit of God comes, uh, let me, I'm running ahead of myself. First Corinthians, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 15 says, the Holy Spirit adds his testimony to this. So what's the testimony of the Holy Spirit? Well, whatever he's following. I will write my laws in their hearts and minds. My sayings, my laws, the Spirit's sayings. And their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. Is that true? Okay, so what is now our new law? The law of the Spirit of life which is in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Okay, so now the Holy Spirit dwells inside me. He's my new law. He's the one living in my heart. He's the one, the law written on my heart because he dwells in me. So I will walk and I will hear a voice behind me saying, this is the way walking it. And he says, he now becomes the inner voice. He now becomes my conscience. The Holy Spirit is now my, now my inner voice. Because of the blood of Jesus, he's cleansed my conscience from dead works and lifeless observances. So now he dwells inside me. He now becomes the voice of my conscience. If my conscience is not defiled. If I'm not listening to the law, but I'm listening to the gospel, the Holy Spirit will speak clearly in my conscience. Yeah. And what does he say? The sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Yeah. Which means you remembering your sin is foreign to the new creation. Yeah. It's against your nature. You're not true to who you are if you remember your sin. Mm -hmm. Because your new identity is Christ himself. And he doesn't remember your sin. It's a clear conscience. A clear conscience means no knowledge of sin. No remembrance of it. It matters very little to me, testifies Paul, whether I be put on trial to, by you or any other human tribunal on this matter. I feel blameless. I'm not aware of anything I did wrong. Does that mean he didn't do anything wrong? No, it means his conscience is clear. By the Spirit of God, by the blood of Jesus. God himself judges me. What does he say? Go and sin no more. What does he say? Your conscience is cleansed by my blood. The only way you can have a clear conscience as a human being is by letting the Holy Spirit take total control of your conscience. And the only way that can happen is if you listen to the gospel and stop listening to accusation of the law. The law, the accusation, is the thing that defiles the conscience. So first, uh, John chapter 3 says, um, Beloved is from verse 18. Let us love, not merely in theory or in speech, but in deed and in truth. By this, by the love, we shall come to know that we are of the truth and can reassure our hearts in His presence whenever our hearts in tormenting self-accusation make us feel guilty and condemn us. Okay, so now the heart is condemning me. So that means my conscience is defiled. So what is the defiled conscience? Self-accusation. So accusing and self-accusing is not keeping you on the right road. It, it means it's just adding new temptations to you. It's actually drawing you away from the right road. All right. But what settles your heart again? Love. So what's the expression of love? The cross. 
It says, we are in God's hand and God is greater than our consciences. So if your conscience is defiled, because Jesus is greater and he, he paid with his own blood to cleanse your conscience. So he didn't throw, fall off his throne when you sinned <clears throat> or when you remember your sin. The only thing that happened is a veil comes over your heart and you, your conscience is seared and you can't hear him. Because all you hear is the accusation and it feels so bad. Until you hear his voice again, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Veil is stripped off and taken away. Conscience is cleansed again. Okay? So your spirit is clean. But are you aware of your sin? Are you constantly thinking back of it? I posted the other day on Facebook, and I said, if you can remember your awful past and give praise to God instead of feeling self-accusation, then you're free. If you can think back of where you came from and what you've struggled with, and you can say, thank you, Jesus, for setting me free from all that. It means your conscience is cleansed. All right? Your conscience, you can exercise your conscience. You can have your conscience clean by meditating on the gospel of Jesus, meditating on the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses your conscience. All right? Oh, there's much more. Let's just quickly read this. Acts chapter 24, verse 16, Paul writes, he says, Therefore I always exercise and discipline myself, mortifying my body. Which means what he's busy with will kill the evil desire lurking in his members. Colossians chapter 3. We can make a whole sermon of this, okay? So, mortifying my body or killing the evil desire. Now, here is how. He's now going to destroy the evil desire inside him. I uh, deadening my carnal affections, okay? Bodily appetites and worldly desires. Endeavoring in all respects to have a clear, unshaken conscience, void of offense toward God and toward men. King James. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience, void of offense toward God and toward men. So that means void of remembering your offenses can be two, the word can mean two things. Either is you offend in breaking the law. You're an offender. Okay, so you break the law. Now you remember the offense. So that means you accuse yourself. So I exercise my conscience to be void of offense. How do I do that? I meditate on the blood of Jesus. And I accept the absolute forgiveness of the cross. My conscience is cleansed, okay, and awakened. The other thing is to take offense when someone sins against me. And, and God speaks about both. He says you need to forgive sins as you were forgiven. So you receive forgiveness for your offenses, but don't take offense at other people sinning against you. Forgive them freely too, okay? So both of them. Conscience, void of offense toward God, thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness, and toward men, I forgive you. Okay? No offenses in your conscience, only by the blood of Jesus. All right. Right, so first, first Timothy, I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Uh, 1 verse 5 says, Whereas the object and purpose of our instruction and charges is love, which springs from a pure heart, and a good, clear conscience and sincere, unfeigned faith. Right, so no hypocrisy, unfeigned faith. A clear conscience, oh, a pure heart. That means 
you have been, you've had contact with the blood of Jesus. So whatever you've done wrong, you're not aware of anymore because you have been washed clean. Okay? And out of that flows love. Okay? Exactly what uh, John writes, 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, the love will settle your heart. When your heart in tormenting self-accusation make you feel guilty. So the love will settle your heart and help you to, to uh, get your conscience under control or under the blood of Jesus. But also, when your conscience is cleansed, love flows out of it. All right. Verse 19. Holding fast. Okay. Let me just start in verse 18. This charge and admonition I commit entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with prophetic intimations, which I formerly received concerning you, that inspired and aided by them you may wage the good warfare. Holding fast to faith. So don't fall for doctrines that knock faith. That leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence and having a good, clear conscience. So faith in the blood of Jesus produces <laughs> a good, clear conscience. By rejecting and thrusting from them their conscience, some individuals have made shipwreck of their faith. So there's two ways that you can reject your conscience. The one is by... Um, when, when God speaks to you through your conscience to, to do a certain thing and not to do a certain thing. So with other words, the purer your conscience becomes, the less your conscience will allow you to do. I'm talking about sinful things. So if your conscience, now it's the voice of the Spirit speaking. The voice of the, so the Spirit won't lead you into drugs and promiscuity and all kinds of things. You just won't. So if your conscience doesn't allow you to do it, then don't do it. Because James 4 verse 17 speaks of that. Says, to that person, it is sin. If your, if your heart doesn't permit it, but you do it. All right? So um, they've made shipwreck of their faith, ignoring the Spirit speaking through their conscience. So it's the one thing is to ignore him when he warns you of sinful things, but also when you ignore the Spirit speaking through your conscience about false doctrine. And you want to be right and you want to be something, and you listen to, you, you're driven by your own desire to be noted as a great teacher or something, and you go for a false doctrine. You ignore the conscience. Okay? You'll make your faith shipwreck. Okay, now he says, verse, verse 20, Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered to Satan in order that they may be disciplined by punishment and learn not to blaspheme. <laughs> now these two, actually Hymenaeus and Philetus, but Hymenaeus looks like the instigator here. Um, he, um, the problem was he made his, ship, his, his faith shipwreck because he argued that the resurrection had already taken place. Okay? And because he said that, uh, he led a lot of people into error. Okay? So, and they didn't want to repent, and they didn't want to listen to their own conscience, so their own faith is made shipwreck. Okay? So it's, it's so important that we hold fast to the message that we have received. Don't doubt in the darkness what you have heard in the light. 
when, when you know that you know that God spoke to you concerning a, do, a doctrine, keep to it. Stay on it. Don't be quickly moved from the truth. Okay? So if I see God correcting me in doctrine, man, it takes months before I speak anything about it. Because I want to make sure that I'm not talking a lot of nonsense. Okay. Right, so... 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9, they, uh, verse 8. In like manner, the deacons must be worthy of respect, not shifty and double talkers, but sincere in what they say, not given to much wine, not greedy for base gain, craving wealth and resorting to ignoble and dishonest methods of getting it. They must possess the mystic secret of faith. I like that, the mystic secret of faith, which means... When you get close to them, you see there's something, there's something of, of a fellowship with the Spirit of God in them. You can just see it and you can feel it around them. The mystic secret of faith, Christian truth as hidden from ungodly men. With a clear conscience. Okay, so a clear conscience will accurately guide you in your way. And will lead you. And then when you listen to your clear conscience, the Spirit of God speaking to you in your clear conscience then you will hear the voice of the Lord and your, the steps of a righteous man is ordered of the Lord. But if you ignore your conscience, the, the more you defile your conscience, the more you step into something that brings more accusation, that defiles your conscience, that causes you to err even more, that causes you to, to accuse yourself even more. So, so it's, it's either this way or that way. Okay, you're either moving to a clearer conscience constantly or to a more defiled conscience constantly. All right. First Timothy 4, verse 2, verse 1 and 2. But the Holy Spirit distinctly and expressly declares that in later times some will turn away from the faith, giving attention to deluding and seducing spirits and doctrines that demons teach through hypocrisy and pretensions of liars whose consciences are seared who forbid people to marry and teach them to abstain from certain kinds of foods. How many of these churches are popping up all over the country? Oh no, you can't eat pork and you can't eat that and you must say Shabbat Shalom on a Friday and they, they say they're Christians. And you know, and you can't have contact with your family and you can't, you know, and all kinds of rules. And you can't marry this guy. You must first check with your elders before you can get someone, you know, take someone out to, for a meal or for a coffee or for a movie or something. No, no, you can't even go to a movie. Okay? All these things. People trying to lord over one another. People trying to gain control over other people. Hey, man. If we have leaders in the church, they need to have a clear conscience, okay? Not because some turns away to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons through hypocrisy and pretensions of liars whose consciences are seared. Okay? I like what the King James says here. It says, uh, doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their consciences seared with a hot iron. Psh. <laughs> So then that, that heart can't feel. Okay, so now the, the word, the sword, just needs to cut that away again and so on. Okay. All right, so, ach, there's more. But the point is, your conscience, even, though, even if you have sinned, even if you come out of a world of rubbish, doesn't matter. The blood of Jesus gives you a clear conscience. 
and you can step out of it. So this is the word of the Lord to every person's conscience. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Neither do, do I judge you. I will not be an accusing voice to you, but my voice will keep you on the right way. All right, so be blessed, everyone. Thank you for listening. All right, so hello, Lebo. It's good to see you there. Be blessed. And uh, yeah, may, may everyone just experience joy and grace and peace in a clear conscience. We'll see you again tomorrow morning at 9. So there's an email address if you want to send us an email. All right, be blessed. See you again. Bye. Thank you.